Okay, everyone, it's time for class. Come on. Attention, I need your silence. Mrs. Clear needs your silence, children. I'm going to count to three. One, two, thank you. Okay, it's time for class to begin. You are now in the course for postgraduate uh, clinical medical microbiology laboratory. We are a little bit short on uh, supplies and equipment, but we will make the best of uh, the best of this uh, with what we can. Children, Miss Clear, Miss Clear, Miss Clear, with medical microbiology laboratory, and he touched me. Don't touch her. Uh, medical microbiology laboratory skills are what we need to learn in order to cure ourselves because unfortunately the mainstream medical community at large as well as the Centers for Disease Control don't give a shit about helping the morgies. And you're right, they do deserve to be booed, but I'm going to need you to be quiet. Thank you. Because I'm trying to do my podcast, man. It's Crystal Clear here. You're listening to more Morgans. Uh, We've learned a lot this week after finishing up yesterday with uh, Yan's disease, the paper written by Chen Yagan. That was a great paper, you guys. Um, I mean, it was limited, as I've said many times before, a case, uh, a case study, the story of one patient, an anecdote, provides anecdotal evidence, which is the weakest form of evidence. However, it does still provide information, basic research, and I valued this because the fact that it addresses the thing that I personally feel like is the glaring omission in all the other research uh, papers that are peer-reviewed that I have read, and that is the question of what are the morgulons? It seems like if we're looking for an etiology, origin, cause, all mean the same thing, um, the pathogenesis also means the same thing, um, if I'm looking for that cause of morgulons disease, why would I not be looking first and foremost at the morgulons? Other researchers and scientists have done great work identifying uh, bacterial pathogens like those often found with uh, arthropod-borne diseases such as Lyme disease. Um, They have found a variety of different bacterial species, including agrobacterium in at least a series of, um, I want to say like half a dozen or so, uh, morgy patients as compared to healthy normal control group Um, So we know for sure that some people are finding some possible um, involved pathogens or co-infections, but I see very few papers like the one that Jan has uh, written for us eight years ago where the morgulons themselves are explored and identified as the causative agent of morgulons. If we are to assume that Jan's results are reproducible, and I personally uh, don't want to just assume that they are repeatable, I would like to grow some of my own morgulons in um, basically sugar. You know, that that potato uh, dextrose, which dextrose is just sugar. Um, potatoes are just sugar, basically. Um, and blood, agar, I, that part I'm not sure about, y'all. I ain't trying to get into any kind of like vampire rituals or some shit over at Freedom House. Just trying to do my wacky science experiments. But, I mean, hello, we're living in the age of... Um, Jeff Bezos' um, ascendancy to 
immortality and omnipotent power through Amazon. And I'm sure that I can find somewhere on Amazon or um, if there are still any uh, smaller competitors left out there on the internet, I will go through them because I'm personally, y'all know I don't like Mark Zuckerberg, not huge fan of Jeff Bozos either. Actually, he's not a bozo. He's a really intelligent guy, but I just don't think one man should have that much wealth and power. At least not as long as I'm not married to him. Jeff, I'm single. Call me. I like bald men. But you guys get my point. I'm just saying, like, I think the Morgulons calls Morgulons. Call me crazy. Everybody else has. But um, I also really don't want to just latch on randomly to a theory Um, that's really largely untested. I mean, we can hopefully assume that Jan's work, uh, published in a peer-reviewed journal of science and medicine, is valid, but it hasn't been reproduced to my knowledge. Um, So I'm not exactly... It's been eight years, dude. Like, if I don't reproduce it, if you don't reproduce it, if we don't do it, it's not getting done. So... Yeah, it's up to us. Um, And even though we're probably about as qualified, most of us, as um, the group of school children that y'all heard me yelling at earlier, it doesn't mean we're not capable. It doesn't mean it's not possible. I mean, shit, y'all. It's all on the internet. It's all in textbooks. You know, I'm not saying that I have an electron microscope over here. But um, I don't need one to grow Morgulons in a sugar blood cocktail. And it is almost Halloween. Okay. Um, Okay, stay tuned. We are going to go back to that Middle Vean History of Morgulons research study because that thing is such a long paper. It's chock full of good information and it's just going to take a while to get through it. So we're just going to do it step by step right? That's the way we do everything. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And then I would check yourself, ma'am, because I'm pretty sure those are endangered species. And I can't even imagine that they would taste that good. So please don't eat any elephants. But if you do, one chunk at a time. Okay, stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, guys, well, I can't exactly remember where we left off with the Middleveen History of Morgulons from Delusion to Definition paper. Actually, when they reviewed all of the uh, medical literature, I think they identified 18 or something studies reporting to be of Morgulons disease. And they were going through each study and pulling them apart because they were um, taped, de- taped together with scotch tape and chewed bubblegum. People were losing samples. People were not doing spell check. Um, they were making huge illogical leaps in their um, reasoning and stuff process and the scientific process. So anyway, they sucked, basically. So a little more on that. 
<laughs> what else is new? Okay, I'm just going to start here. A few case studies claimed that treatment with antipsychotic medication was curative. Remember, uh, Jan said that yesterday, and I was like, girl, hold up. I'm going to need to see those citations. Okay, anyway, in contrast, many more case studies indicated that treatment with antipsychotic drugs reduced symptoms but was not curative, or that antipsychotics were ineffective. Oh, we did read this. In fact, Robles et al., remember the two yo-yos that gave somebody, a couple guys, or antibiotics and one guy an antipsychotic, the guys with antibiotics were cured. The guy with the antipsychotic was not, but they still believed that Morgan's was delusional. Yeah, those knuckleheads. Okay, we went through that. Um, there were only five reports of studies involving larger cohorts of patients. The larger, the better when it comes to research and a couple of other things. Uh, four of these were retrospective studies and the remaining study selected retrospective looking back in the past and the remaining study selected its cohort by conducting a retrospective search through medical records. Um, retrospective studies are limited because data may be incomplete and cases may lack laboratory analysis or proper documentation. The Yeah, I mean, like I was saying on that other episode about the CDC study, um, your information is only good as the progress notes that that clinician wrote down or the medical records that are available. In the case of the CDC study, they only use electronic health records at a time when Kaiser was switching from paper to electronic, um, which may have meant, I'm not sure, but sounds like it meant that uh, they just did Oakland because uh, that's the only place they actually carried out the physical research. But I could be wrong. If anybody knows, please send something for the comment cave. Um, like, you're so stupid. Why don't you research, like, your shows before you actually do your shows? Well, because there's only 24 hours a day, and I like to do one every day, and I do have a life. Thanks for listening. The retrospective study by Mohandas et al. included 35 patients and made still a small number of patients and made no mention of the presence of fibers. Yeah, why bother? The study reported female predominance with a mean age of 54.6 years. Psychiatric comorbidities or other diagnoses uh, included anxiety and depression were noted in 68.5%, I guess, of the 35 patients. And management of patients included treatment with psychotropic medications combined with topical and oral antibiotics. That's really interesting. Psychotropic medications could include a whole bunch of different medications, you guys. So it'd be interesting to know what those medications even were. Typically, um, you're not supposed to treat anxiety and depression with antipsychotics, though in practice it happens all the freaking time for some reason. Um, you know, they're supposed to be treated with anxiolytics or anti-anxiety drugs and antidepressants um, because these are uh, mood disorders, not psychotic disorders, but uh, you would die if you knew the amount of antipsychotics uh, they give out to uh, well, children, for sure. Uh, it's almost worse in children than it is with adults. But yeah, we do a lot of uh, polypharmacy, meaning uh, more than one kind of drug in the same class. And that's usually overkill, usually not effective, and usually harmful. But anyway, <clears throat> just I uh, wish we had a few more details. Maybe we'll go over that study one day. But so what happened to him? So improvement was reported in less than half of the cohort, 40%. And all four patients who received low-dose oral antibiotic therapy noted improvement. So, interesting. The study by Heilway et al. from the Mayo Clinic was a retrospective study of psychiatric comorbidity in a cohort of 54 patients diagnosed with DI, delusional infestation. Comorbidities were found in 74% of these patients, and there was no mention of fiber or pathogen detection in the retrospective report. 
So no clue if these people had Morgan wands for real. Foster et al. also conducted a retrospective study of DI, delusional infestation, at the Mayo Clinic. Medical records of 147 patients were reviewed to determine demographic information, historical and physical findings, and treatment. In this cohort, 81% had a history of one or more psychiatric illnesses, the most common diagnosis being depression. Well, you know, I don't know if they were Morgies, but if they were, uh, how would anyone feel if they got Morgellons disease? And on top of having the shitty, horrible symptoms of Morgellons disease, they had to deal with the shitty, horrible uh, attitude of the medical community at large. Not everybody, but a lot of them. In this cohort, 81%, blah, 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 11% had a history of drug use, methamphetamines, cocaine, heroin, marijuana, and other street drugs. Are we still counting marijuana as a street drug? Now that it is legalized for recreational use in so many states, and also methamphetamine is not strictly a street drug. It is a prescribed drug. Brand name is Desoxin, and it is surprisingly effective um, at uh, controlling uh, obesity, alcoholism, and uh, adult, quote, ADHD, and treatment-resistant depression in low doses. Uh, I'm not advocating drug use in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying, let's be rational here. Uh, that may have contributed to their symptoms, and only 20% of subjects reported having fibers in their skin, and thus the cohort was composed predominantly of non-Morgulons subjects. The study lacked fiber analysis, and there was no mention that any skin-associated fibers had been visualized by the investigators, so it's possible that there were no subjects in the study meeting the key diagnostic Morgulons criterion, which of course is having Morgulons in your skin. Methodology for de detecting any pathogens was lacking, and there was no mention of detection of Borrelia or other tick-borne pathogens at all. Nevertheless, the authors stated they did not find evidence of infestation in patient-provided specimens, biopsies, or tests for ova and parasites. Well, that's all good and fine to say, but if you don't tell us what kind of stuff they brought, how you analyzed it, what the findings were, and how you interpreted those findings. I don't know how you can just like, I mean, I can write a paper right now that says, I found out what Morgulons are. They're small alien nanobots come to the earth to infest a special group of people called the Morgies. And the Morgulons make people funnier, wittier, smarter, cuter, and you'll just have to take my word for it because I don't feel like listing how I arrived at these conclusions. But just trust me, they're all true. They're all true. I'm living proof. Just kidding. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, this is science, or it's supposed to be. Like, how can you conclude that, uh, yeah, this, uh, we analyze the evidence and it's a delusion. It's not uh, due to any physical cause but you don't tell us about how you analyze the evidence. I mean, that's the critical key freaking point here. Ugh, I feel like I'm just a broken record at this point. Okay, speaking of broken records, it then says, the CDC, Kaiser Permanente, Northern California Armed Forces Institute of Pathology Collaborative Study, CDC study, selected their cohort via a retrospective search through medical records. The study had significant flaws. Oh, we know, Marianne. Thank you for bringing it up, but we do know. The case definition did not require the presence of fibers embedded in or are projecting from the skin. Therefore, selection was on the basis of self-reported cases and resulted in a heterogeneous group of subjects. Remember, they said that self, there was no self-reported patients in the study. That's what the CDC said. But obviously there were because they didn't select them based upon any physical examination. They did it over the phone and based upon doctor's progress notes of patients coming to the doctor and self-reporting having morgulons or fibers or whatever. 
Okay, eligibility to participate in the study was limited to those enrolled in a Kaiser Permanente plan. The number of participants diminished as the study progressed, whereas 467 subjects were identified by a search of Kaiser Permanente electronic records. Cultures for pathogens were conducted on only 28 subjects, and fibers were collected from only 12 subjects. We know. Pathetic. Fiber analysis was performed and cotton textile fibers identified, but the author admitted, the authors admitted that they did not find fibers that were embedded or projecting from skin, and they admitted that they may have introduced cotton fibers at the time of sampling. Sloppy. Two of the subjects identified in the electronic search died, and the cause of death was not disclosed. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's probably suicide from all the um, negligent abuse uh, that Morgulons uh, received. Uh, from these uh, communities that we depend upon to help us, but that don't. Um, I'm not saying that it definitely was, but I'm just saying we know that depression and suicide are a problem in our community. And um, I hate that. That makes my heart break, y'all. If you're struggling, hang in there, hang in there, reach out to me. Please don't do anything that would cause you to miss the future day that is on its way where we find out what the hell Uh, this disease is all about and also find the cure because it's going to happen. And if you're not here, it'll suck for you. You'll just be in heaven looking down going, dang, dang. Anywho, objective findings of illness uh, that could have accounted for the symptoms were ignored. Cognitive impairments, somatic complaints, neuropsychiatric symptoms, blah, blah, blah. It's the same shit we always hear. Um, We've gone through this. I'm just going to skip ahead. Evidence of an infectious etiology, early history. In modern times, spirochetal infection was implicated as an etiologic factor for MD as early as 2006 when William Harvey, a former medical director of a laboratory contracted to work for NASA, explained to a medical reporter, reporter Chico Harlan with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette that he had been studying a group of 70 Morgulans patients, all of whom were infected with Borrelia babsettia, the causative agent, uh, oh no, Bergdorferi, the causative agent of Lyme, uh, Safely in 2006 reported that the principal author, nurse practitioner Virginia Safely, had seen 80 patients in her practice who fit the criteria for Morgulans and all but one of these patients had tested positive for Lyme. A, uh, that's interesting. I wonder, I want to know more about that one patient. Let's, 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 let's read that Safely report uh, on another day. A subsequent study by Harvey, the NASA guy at all, attempted to delineate Morgulon's characteristics in a cohort of 25 self-diagnosed Morgies. Although these patients apparently met the case definition for delusional parasitosis, the authors felt the cause and effect of the symptoms were reversed from those of delusional parasitosis, and they suggested that an infectious process was responsible for the development of symptoms. They reported that the male-to-female ratio was approximately equal, that 23 of 25 subjects had prior psychiatric diagnoses, uh, around 50%, uh, do they mean aside from DP? I don't know. Uh, around 50% had sensations of movement, so only half. 70% had excoriations or lesions. Uh, interesting. And that fibers were present in about a third of the patients. Uh, central nervous system symptoms, cardiac symptoms, endocrine dysfunction, as in hyperparathyroidism, adrenocortical hypofunction, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, that's this autoimmune type of thyroiditis, uh, where your own body destroys your thyroid, uh, hypercalcemia, too much calcium in the blood, elevated fasting insulin levels, and parathyroid adenomas, those are like tumors. Uh, a high rate of autoimmune disease and low core body temperature were commonly encountered in their cohort. Does that true for y'all? Whenever I go to the doctor or one of these places that takes your temperature before you go in or something for Corona, they're like, ma'am, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I died a couple of hours ago, but I'm fine. Just really, really cold. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, laboratory evidence of abnormalities that were commonly encountered included anemia, leukopenia. That leukocytes are the white blood cells. Penia means uh, little, so too few white blood cells. High monocyte count uh, is also a white blood cell. Uh, low natural killer cells, also part of your you know immune system blood cells. Uh, Elevated serum calcium levels, elevated globulin levels, and elevated inflammatory markers. Um, CRP, TNF, alpha, IFN, uh, uh, gamma, I think that's what that symbol means. Anyway, skin abnormalities included excoriations, uh, so scratching, uh, angiomas. Those are like those little uh, red moles. I don't know if y'all are old like me. Um, you probably have a couple, but they're like little tiny moles. They're called cherry angiomas because they're red moles. Um, I call them beauty marks, y'all. Beauty marks. Uh, and filament granule production. Um, I got all that but the excoriations because I don't scratch, you guys. I did squeeze my face a little bit today and a bunch of white hairs came out of that humongous freaking thing on my face that is back. Yay. Um, okay. The need for a credible Morgan case definition was emphasized in that study. Um, okay. I'm going to just finish up the last two paragraphs in this section and call it a day for today. Um, Safely and Stricker analyzed clinical findings in a cohort of 122 patients with documented presence of unusual filaments projecting from or embedded in skin. So they actually doc they did their analysis on people they knew had morgulons. The key objective of this study was to develop a credible case definition for MD, and because cutaneous fibers were the unique objective finding, the presence of such fibers was determined to be an obligatory part of the case definition. Of course it should be. The link between morgulons and Lyme was explored, and the study reported that 96.8 of their subjects had either positive Lyme tests by Western blot or clinical diagnosis of Lyme. Many had positive tests for co-infecting tick-borne illnesses and demographics of the Lyme patients and morgulons patients and their practices proved to be similar. Other important findings in the cohort group were female predominance and hypothyroidism. Um, that's an interesting study. We will definitely go over that one day. Uh, it seems pretty credible, although uh, I want to know more about what the clinical diagnosis of Lyme is. That seems like an awfully high percentage, 96-something percent. Middleveen and Stricker provided evidence of spiroketal involvement in the evolution of Morgulons. Morgulons Morgulons was compared to bovine digital dermatitis, BDD, a disease in cattle caused by various species of treponemes, those treponoma, like the syphilis, the denticola, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think Jeremy um, on Morgulons Discussion Podcast is doing an episode soon about that. I'm going to tune in and I, I'm sure it'll be really good. I want to learn more. Um, very interesting. Those two uh, uh, diseases, veterinary and human disease, appear to be very similar. S uh, several similarities between morgulons and BDD, the bovine thing, were noted, including unusual filament formation, female predominance, rapid spread, exposure to unsanitary conditions or humid environments, and positive response to antibiotics. The fact that spirochetes caused unusual filament formation in cattle suggested that a similar mechanism might occur in morgulons patients. The fact that spirochetes were visible in BDD histological sections suggested that spirochetes might be present in MD tissue as well. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Uh, tomorrow, we will get into the really interesting part about the fiber analysis. Y'all know I love to analyze the fibers, aka the morgulons. Um, 
To me, the key is the Morgulons. But I'm not saying that this information about the spirochetes and treponomes and all that stuff that uh, Middleveen and others, Stricker, are doing, that it's not valuable. I mean, I think it contributes to our knowledge. I mean, this is, if, if we are to rely upon this research as being credible and reliable, and I think we can, because these are all credible professional uh, scientists, and these are peer-reviewed uh, uh, research papers in peer-reviewed journals. Um, I think basically that, you know, spirochetes probably do have some kind of a role here in Morgulons. Now, why that um, type of pathogen in this case would cause uh, weird fucking shit to come out of your skin and not ever do it in any other case, uh, like with syphilis or periodontal disease or... Um, you know, Lyme. Uh, nobody else has uh, morgies coming out of their skin. Now, do they? Nope, just the morgies. So we really, really, really need um, to figure out more about what these damn fibers are. I have read that they are made out of cellulose. I have read that they are made out of polyethylene. I have read that they are made out of keratin and melanin. I have read um, that they are made out of silicone. I have read all kinds of things and some things are more credible than others for clear and obvious reasons. But it's like if they're made out of keratin and melanin, well then why won't they burn at like 1600 degrees Celsius? Why are they practically indestructible by uh, thermal or chemical means if they are composed of cellulose and other normal things found in nature? I'm confused. Ultimately, it seems like um, there's really nothing definitive out there. And um, although we may never have absolute certainty in this or any other thing, we can have reasonable certainty based upon the information that we have gained through the scientific method um, and repeating uh, valid results in well-designed studies. Um, so yeah, still a lot of work to do. Not gonna get discouraged going to, as best as I can, empower myself to do what I think needs to be done to um, realize my vision. And in my vision, in the future, people uh, don't end up in the situation that I am in or that you perhaps are in where you basically have to be your own scientist, your own doctor, your own researcher, and your own well, you don't have to be your own support system because there's lots of us out there. We're all alone in this together. Um, once again, if you know, you're know you really struggling with loneliness and depression and uh, isolation because of Morgulons and it's got you down, first of all, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's not easy, is it? It is not easy. And hang in there. Uh, second of all, though, hey, it's kind of on you. It's kind of on me, you know? Like, go on meetup.com or something and start you a local Morgulons support group. That's what I'm thinking about doing. I used to have a meetup where I'd have a, a, every other Saturday a big group of strangers come over to my house to jam and play music. And it was really fun. This was all pre-COVID uh, apocalypse. But, um, yeah, just thinking about, you know, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? It's not just, y'all know I love to complain and bitch. And, like, they didn't do this, they didn't do And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually kind of cathartic for me. And I guess if you're listening, it must be kind of cathartic for you because a lot of this is a bitch fest. <laughs> but, um, but, but at the same time, you know, 
I have to do something. I have to act because I don't like the way things are. And I can't just complain about it. I can complain and act. You see? 50-50. Balance. Balance. Um, anyway, I really appreciate you tuning in today. We're going to talk about those mysterious fibers tomorrow. And I cannot wait to uh, see what we learn. We're champions. We're winners. We never give up. And we never shut up. Okay, class dismissed.